0: Welcome to Axios Prorata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permac. On today's show, the government threatens to end vaping and a possible problem for Sprint's mega merger with T-Mobile. But first, the big storm. As you've certainly heard by now, the Carolinas and Virginia are bracing for Hurricane Florence, which could make landfall as early as tomorrow. And it's going to be a whopper, particularly in coastal areas where the storm might simply hover for hours, with winds exceeding 100 miles an hour. A million people have been evacuated, and a lot of us with friends and family in that region are, at this point, just kind of keeping our fingers crossed. Now, to be sure, the single most important thing is keeping people safe. But the longer term reality is that extreme weather is on the rise, which becomes as much an economic issue as a human one. And we're not just talking about hurricanes here, but tornadoes and heat waves and ice storms and droughts. In fact, last year, the World Economic Forum said that extreme weather was the top concern for business leaders, outpacing both cyber attacks and natural disasters. And since 2014, companies are required by law to communicate material climate change risks to investors. So here's an example, storms associated with the heat waves have been known to knock out internet infrastructure like data centers. And this week companies from Boeing to Pfizer have already taken manufacturing facilities in the Carolinas offline in preparation for Florence. The bottom line is that in our collective absence to be proactive about climate change, we're now all forced to be reactive. And the costs in terms of both life and treasure is only likely to increase over time. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios science editor Andrew Friedman. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to DC. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined by Andrew Friedman, Axio science editor who also focuses a lot on extreme weather. So Andrew, give us kind of top level here. Why is this going to be a larger hurricane than your garden variety hurricane?
1: The storm size has been consistently expanding. Part of this is due to internal dynamics within a hurricane called eyewall replacement cycles. People don't really need to know what that means, but what the end result is, is every time it goes through one of these little cycles, the diameter of hurricane force winds expands. So basically, you just get a bigger storm moving a larger amount of water towards the coast. So as this thing has moved a little bit further to the north, also that tends to happen with higher latitude hurricanes. They tend to be a little bit bigger in size than lower latitude. And, you know, this thing is intense because it's got the right conditions going for it. It just happened to be in an area with unusually warm sea surface temperatures, relatively low winds in the upper levels. Hurricanes are remarkably fickle. They're very sensitive to their environment, even though they're super powerful. They can be easily disrupted and this storm really has nothing to stop it at this point
0: and where it's going you talk about this expanding diameter and, and how this could be particularly large and where it's hitting this coastal area kind of from south carolina all the way down with georgia there's a lot of kind of relatively new real estate there right like th- this isn't hitting a, a kind of sparse area where the real focus of it's going to be
1: the track forecast became more complicated starting probably about Tuesday evening when the computer models started realizing that the weather systems across the U.S. were going to pin the storm in a region with very weak upper-level winds. So what that means is the storm is going to approach the North Carolina coast in an area where there has been a lot of population growth in the past couple of decades near Wilmington, North Carolina. This is a beautiful coastal area, the outer banks of North Carolina, gorgeous region, but very vulnerable to storm surge flooding. I'm
0: curious what your thoughts are right now about how the government seems to be preparing, at least from the outside, looking in. Obviously, Trump's been tweeting out a lot about it, also defending his kind of indefensible or the administration's indefensible uh, response in Puerto Rico. But you said that to me in an email earlier that one agency has been kind of missing from the briefings, or at least appears to be missing from the briefings.
1: Yeah, in the images that the White House has released, They are sitting in front of, or a map is displayed behind them, and the maps are from the National Hurricane Center. But the officials that have been on the calls and in the room are Department of Homeland Security, which includes FEMA, and other sort of Homeland Security type officials. NOAA, which is the agency responsible for forecasting these storms, including the Hurricane Center, has been absent. There has a, There's usually the NOAA administrator. We only have a deputy administrator right now, but he's very competent and uh, he hasn't been in the room And there hasn't been an indication that the Hurricane Center director has been briefing the president directly, although that may have occurred.
0: If the president is not being briefed directly by that director or deputy director, what does that mean, practically speaking?
1: Practically speaking, it means there's a little bit more of a game of telephone. So it means that the Hurricane Center director would be briefing somebody at FEMA who would then be briefing the president or be briefing the Homeland Security director who would be briefing the president. And the concern there is that some of these scenarios that are in play now as the storms slide southwest, for example, Charleston, South Carolina, extraordinarily vulnerable to surge and even sunny day flooding nowadays is potentially going to be impacted. And the president needs to be sending the right messages to the country and to that region via his Twitter account and his statements. So you want to brief him with the most current information possible. During the Obama administration, the NOAA administrator was always in the room for these things. But she had a little bit more clout. She's a former astronaut. <laughs>
0: former astronaut. Broader than this, there's going to be a lot of talk. Hurricane season is a thing that has been going on much longer than either you or I have been alive. And there's going to be a lot of folks, mostly kind of politically based, saying either this storm is at least was made worse by climate change. And then you'll have folks, obviously, who say it has nothing to do with it. We've had hurricanes. It's just another hurricane in September. Where do you fall down on this? Where it does climate change fit into Hurricane Florence, if at all.
1: You sort of hinted at it. It makes hurricanes worse. We know this with pretty high confidence. It gives them more power warmer sea surface temperatures. It makes them carry more and deliver more rainfall from higher amounts of water vapor in the air. There's some new research showing that stalling hurricanes like Harvey and this one may become more common. But the more tantalizing impact that's going on that's linked to climate change trend is that there seems to be a trend that's statistically significant of these storms reaching their peak intensity further toward the pole, so both the North Pole and the South Pole with storms. So what that means is that places a little bit further to the north that might have been accustomed to Category 2 storms in the past might need to really get ready for Cat 3 or 4 storms in the coming decades. So really where I fall is where the science falls.
0: Well, Andrew, you and I are both in uh, Boston or Massachusetts today. So that is uh, wonderful news for us since Cat two storms are exactly what we're used to. And we don't like anything bigger. Andrew Freeman, who will be following Hurricane Florence all day and all week on Axios.com. Thank you for joining us. My final two right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter, faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com and now back to the pro rata podcast and now it's time for my final two and first up the Food and Drug Administration this morning announced that it's considering a ban on all-flavored e-cigarettes in response to what it calls an epidemic of teen use. Basically, it's told the five largest vaping companies, including market leader Juul, that they have 60 days to prove they can keep products away from minors. Now, Juul's already said it's working with the FDA, but the reality is that a lot of this is arguably out of its hands, as the company can't really control what happens to its product once it ships to retailers. Unless, of course, it opts for a direct-to-consumer, internet-based model, which might work in terms of cutting down on teen usage, but also would significantly eat into both its top and bottom lines. Or third option, it could simply try to give up on the US market and expand overseas, where so far it's just in Israel. The bottom line here is that Juul was most recently valued at $15 billion by private market investors like Fidelity. And those investors have gotta be getting pretty nervous right now, maybe almost nervous enough to light up a traditional cigarette. And finally, the FCC has told Sprint and T-Mobile that it needs more time to review their proposed mega-merger. After getting a lot more detailed information about what might happen after the nation's third and fourth largest wireless providers tie up. The smart money here is that the FCC is just being cautious and will ultimately give the green light. But a bigger wild card is the Justice Department, which is still smarting from its failure to block AT&T's purchase of Time Warner. So this deal, announced back in April, remains very far from finished. And we're done. Thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my ProRata newsletter at getprorata.axios.com. Have a great national video game day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another ProRata podcast.